Hello, and welcome to the first Hims 20 minicast of the Healthcare Solutions Project. I'm Don Siemens, and my goal today is to find innovations that make healthcare better. And so I have actually been introduced recently to Cliff Cavanaugh, who is the Chief Technical Officer of HealthJump. Cliff, thanks for joining me today. Hey, thanks so much, Don. It's a pleasure to be on the show, and I really appreciate um, your your involvement here as uh, as we are experiencing hymns a little differently. Yes, uh, it's great to be part of a podcast like this that is uh, that's trying to uh, uh, keep the hymns energy alive, and uh, and and I'm happy to be a part of it. Well, thank you again for for joining us. Tell me a little bit more about yourself and what your role is with Health Jump. Sure. Uh, so I'm Cliff Cavanaugh. I'm uh, one of the founders of HealthJump. Um, I currently operate as the chief technology officer, as you mentioned. And um, HealthJump's been around. Uh, we formed in uh, in 2013, and it's really been with the uh, with the mission and vision of bridging the gap between healthcare data and innovation. And we see um, a lot of innovation coming, and uh, it's a really exciting time to be part of uh, of this industry. And so, as a technology officer um, for HealthJump, um, my role is really to guide the product and 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 continue the vision of of connecting all of the the world's healthcare data together. You're absolutely right, Cliff. This is a very exciting time, and one of the reasons why it's so exciting is because it's a target-rich environment in terms of what we can do to improve healthcare. What's the one challenge you think should be on the mind of every healthcare leader? You know, the the involvement of of data in the uh, really in in the clinical care space is to grow. I mean, we watched EHRs get adopted over the past now about 10 years and mm-hmm. EHR adoption, you know, was certainly one thing, but that was really a, a, a data capture feat. And we see the use of data in healthcare, whether it be, you know, over the recent history of e-prescribing and things that we're all familiar with, but, but I don't think we're anywhere close to seeing the full potential of, of data's role in healthcare. Mm. And so I think the challenge for everybody, no matter where you, you, you know, what part of the healthcare industry uh, you sit in, uh, the challenge is making sure that data, those data, excuse me, are reliable, trustworthy, and current. And so whether it's on the, the provider space um, and you're in the clinic, you know, the care delivery space, making sure that the, the record is accurate and all of the intelligence that comes into that record that surrounds that patient is accurate, but yes. also making sure that in the life sciences space, that the that the, the the data that's being used now to train machine learning models, et cetera, um, is reliable, trustworthy, and current. And even in the payer space, if you're paying for um, for essentially the majority of uh, America's healthcare bill, making sure that that everybody's getting the the appropriate and most efficient treatments possible is 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 a challenge that mm. all of us um, I think need to be aware of. And 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 in summary, really just making sure that not only data continues to be to play a role, but that that data is, is, is trustworthy and current. So, Cliff, data seems to be kind of the panacea when it when it comes to healthcare. You, you really can't make the improvements in healthcare you want to make without data. Let's talk about costs a little bit. The cost of healthcare is a big issue sure. and it has been for years. How do we as an industry address the problem of costs maybe better than we are doing right now? Uh, cost is a tough question, Don, um, but it's one that I think that can be tackled by looking at it in really two different ways or or 
two things that we need to address as an industry um, to bring that cost down. And those two things are one, the incentive models, and two, innovation. And so you, you can't you can't really think about healthcare costs without looking at the incentive models and how they differ from other industries. And just that, you know, with healthcare, benefit from the same free market principles that other industries in our country do. Uh, and so the the effects of supply and demand don't necessarily apply in the same way. But I do think that, that there are certain um, um, concepts in the free market that, um, that, we should be looking at in healthcare to affect cost and affect change in, in the cost um, in similar ways to other industries. And that is with transparency and choice. Because look, if the person that pays for, for the service that they receive, uh, excuse me, if the person that pays for the service isn't the receiver of those services, it's really tough to align their incentives. And, sure. and we can't forget about that in healthcare. Right. But what we can is look at ways that we can increase transparency and choice in the industry and as a result costs will come down and tra transparency and choice what does that look like in healthcare well there's you know lots of ambiguity around what something costs from whether it be the payer perspective but you know as a patient we have no idea we don't know what the cost is with regard not only to fi the financial impact but what the cost is of let's call it longevity of treatment or the cost of being referred from provider to provider in many organizations or internally at an organization. We don't really have an understanding uh, as a consumer what the um, what the impact is of going to one place versus the other or not seeking treatment at all. And choice is the other. There are world-class institutions in this country, of course, um, for for certain rare diseases and rare illnesses, but if you don't live in close proximity to those places, then a lot of individuals, their choice is quite limited. And so once we as an industry start focusing on enhancing transparency, enhancing choice, then the result, I think, will really be that the next thing um, is, is really comes with innovation. And I think they kind of go hand in hand, believe it or not. Because as incentives become more aligned, those those incentives that I was just talking about, yeah. as soon as they become more aligned, then we'll see the willing adoption of new and innovative ideas, hmm. not just technology that was required to fulfill the government incentives, right? right. We'll start actually seeing, a, you know, somewhat of an excited adoption of, of technology because the 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 benefit will, there will be real return on investments for adopting those technologies. And so... I think that that the opportunities we'll really start seeing in the innovation space um, that will actually impact cost are are really around the value of data, starting to recognize the value of data. So in the same way we're seeing data used for training machine learning models to detect cancer and images, mm -hmm. I mean, there's article after article about advancements in that. Well, I think we're going to start seeing, in the same way, we're going to start being able to use inpatient and outpatient exam notes to more efficiently diagnose patients, prescribe them the best plan of care, right? And that innovation, that, that only comes with innovation right. and recognizing the value of data. Mm. In the same way we, my wife avoids taking the kids to the urgent care mm. um, by adopting a telehealth visit um, from her home for something as simple as cold symptoms, um, I think provider organizations will start to 
confer and get value from institutions that specialize in certain complex illnesses. I mean, I'm, I'm lucky enough to live here in Philadelphia and my mom, um, she has these very rare migraines, uh, hemiplegic migraines, but wow. I'm, you know, very close proximity to one of the best headache centers in the country. But if she lived elsewhere, there's no reason that a local provider organization that doesn't necessarily uh, specialize in that couldn't partner with Jefferson Health here in Philadelphia because we've removed those barriers. And so that's the type of innovation that I think that will really bring costs down. But the first the first thing that we need to do is really align the incentives, um, the, the incentive model and start making some changes there first. So Cliff, how are you and HealthJump approaching the problem in an innovative way? Well, I from day one at HealthJump, we knew that we wanted to be the company that bridge the gap between healthcare data and innovation. And so we're a technology company and we can't do anything more on the, the policy level to you know, affect change in, um, in the cost of healthcare and, and the differences in uh, free market principles and other industries, et cetera, mm-hmm. other than kind of championing it with the rest of the industry. Um, but we absolutely um, can affect change by, by empowering innovators and i really think that that's what health jump and the team here has done a great job and the the laser focus that we have of removing the barriers between the siloed data that that lives whether it be an electronic health record system or really any clinical system and and bridging that gap to to whether it be in academia or to digital health vendors or to like aco service providers that are you know trying to help practices um, move to from free fee for service to pay for performance. HealthJump has taken the adoption of those tools and those technologies in the provider space from something that would be, you know, a six month, a year long implementation process to 15 minutes. You know, our product it gets installed every day at, at a new institution and it's a 15 minute install. And by doing so, becoming a, a member of the HealthJump network not only removes that that implementation time frame to adopt the technology that used to be so long and so expensive, but it also adds a level a level of trustworthiness um, that that didn't even exist before. You know, when, when I talk to folks that have spent time, whether it's in academia or not, but spent time um, looking at clinical data, they they're 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 really greeted with more questions than they are de- answers. Hmm. So how did this nail have a hysterectomy? Or how was there a, a, a bill that was paid for, but the appointment hasn't happened yet, it's in the future. Right. And all of these things that just come with big data. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are problem that, problems that other industries have had to solve for quite some time now on how do you make that uh, those data trustworthy. And it is a almost a living, breathing thing, right? It's, a, it's the more exposure that HealthJump has to to provider organizations, hospital systems across the country, the more anomalies that we see that is that are really built into our data platform, and so the the issue of data access is one thing, and there's a you know a couple of ways to solve that or ways that the industries are solving that, and and HealthJump supports them all. But I think the big differentiator about how um, HealthJump is really going to bring down the cost of healthcare, HealthJump is really going to affect change in and how um, patients are treated is really by not only expediting the time it takes to implement an innovative new solution, um, but it's also making sure that the those solutions that sit atop the data in an EHR 
Well, those data have been validated and are tested, tried and true, so that there's really no ambiguity in what either, whether it be analysis or diagnosis that comes from um, those data. And it's things as simple as, you know, an interoperability solution for let's doing things like um, schedule fulfillment, um, all the way to very, very complex machine learning models uh, around um, uh, certain rare diseases where there just isn't enough data in one single institution um, to be able to glean any um, insightful results. Uh, they are, it's a big spectrum of uh, data value, but um, health jump sits right in the middle. And I think that we have a long future of, of doing that and watching this great industry continue to improve. Cliff, it's Hymns Week and it's become virtual Hymns Week. <laughs> we're, we're all a little disappointed, but we're all jumping in with both feet to, to virtual hymns. How are you participating in virtual hymns 20? So virtual hymns 20, um, one, I'm so glad that that's a term, right? right. Uh, when, when we got the news, um, just like everybody else, we, we really went into probably the same mental mode that everybody did that went, okay, how do we keep the, the energy and inertia that comes from the hymns conference going in a time where, you know, for, for the most part, um, we're all technologists, right? This is HIMSS. Um, if there's yeah. any group of people in healthcare that should be able to tackle this problem of not being able to meet face-to-face -face in an innovative way, it should be us, right? And so immediately we see things like um, virtual HIMSS um, start flooding Twitter, and, and I couldn't have been more thrilled. And so um, what HealthJump did is um, we prepared a virtual booth. And this isn't just you know virtual meetings um, that you can schedule with somebody. Um, this is actually... The same team that would have been at Hims has all congregated um, to one space, and and we are providing um, tomorrow. There will be a link on our website um, that when you click it, you will actually see a live broadcast from that virtual booth where we are, and you can choose to join. Um, you, uh, when I say join, that's akin to uh, stepping into the booth. Mm -hmm. And so uh, once you're observing the live feed, if you click the the join or or the button to step into the booth, that will bring you into uh, a Zoom conference. Um, where you can speak with us as a group, um, and then there'll be ways to um, speak with certain folks individually um, uh, through that workflow. And so this isn't something we've tried before, but we were really trying to simulate what the, um, what the, the conversation effects were um, at, at HIMSS and how they differ from, let's say, a one-on-one -on -one web conference. And I think we did that. And so I'm looking forward to see, um, to see how this works and, um, and, and meeting people in this way um, it's new and, and, and it feels pretty cool, so I'm excited about it. Well, it does sound exciting. How can our listeners connect with you and your organization tomorrow and over the over the long term? Yeah. So the best way to get uh, to contact us and, and interact with us tomorrow, just hit our homepage, healthjump.com. There will be a link to take you right to our virtual booth. Um, and so, like I said, when you click on that, you're going to see us. There will be a live stream, and then you can feel free to, um, to join the, uh, the conference and chat with us. Um, or just observe. Uh, it's completely up to you guys. But um, the, uh, the, the best way to interact with us going forward, whether we see each other at trade shows like HIMSS, great. But otherwise, there's a chat right on our homepage um, that's, that's yeah, man during uh, normal business hours. And that's the quickest way uh, to talk to somebody. And, um, and I think that's probably um, the most efficient. So I'll leave it at that, our website is the place, whether it be tomorrow or next week or a year from now. Well, great. Cliff, best of luck this week and thanks so much for jumping on. 
Thanks so much, Donna. It's been a pleasure.